It is what we're thinking about, and what we're thinking about is evolved communication. Hello, and welcome to the Mile High Church Podcast. This is the place where we connect and converse to explore communication in our relationships, our social world, inner development, and spirituality. Today, we open our hearts and we get real. All right, this is Barry Eber. We're back with what we're thinking about. My guest today is Reverend Simon Shatterlight, good friend of mine. We've worked together for many years, and it's uh, it's a great gift to have you here with us today, Simon. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, communication. And uh, one of the things that I've been excited to talk to you about is kind of our communication with our higher power um, and uh, our relationship to kind of a higher power, however we might define it, however we might think about it, and uh, how important is that relationship in our life. We talk a lot about spirituality and uh, being spiritual but not religious. You hear that phrase a lot in our culture now, and so uh, I just wanted to bang that around with you a little bit today, and uh, thank you very much for, for being with me today. Well, Colbert, it's uh, my, my privilege to be here with you. And yeah, you know, a lot of this stuff is kind of um, coming up for me in my personal, I don't know, personal growth, personal spiritual exploration. Um, Some of it originating from Marshall Rosenberg's work with nonviolent communication or compassionate communication. Uh, And he has this assertion that, that everything we do is motivated to fulfill a need. And when I first heard that, I was kind of like, well, I don't know about that. That seems... But you know, the more I do have, have done his work and, and, and taught it, um, I'm kind of in agreement. So then that brought me around to, okay, this, this spirituality, this religion thing, what need is that filling? Why am I doing that? What, you know, I call myself a spiritual person or, or someone listening to this, you know, I'm a spiritual person. What does that mean? You know, why are you doing spirituality? So that's kind of what's, how it's been coming up for me. Well, I think, uh, you know, I think culturally, uh, religion has been such a big part of our culture in the, in the way that we've grown up. And it's kind of been, uh, you know, an organizing principle for our lives when we grew up when we were kids. You know, people went to church uh, because our grandparents went to church. And we weren't sure why or if we really wanted to, but we did. And, and we kept doing it. And then as we moved into a time of more individual freedom, that uh, connection to religious community uh, and that connection to uh, religion in general has kind of dissipated. And now I think the question is up for us, uh, kind of what's in it for us? What's in it for me personally? And what need is being fulfilled by me uh, going towards spirituality or seeking it or working on it? So what, what, is need, what need is being fulfilled? Yeah, I mean, that, okay, I would say that that journey has been kind of the journey that I've been on. I grew up Catholic. And so you went to church, or at least in my family, you went to church because that's what you did. That's what was expected. So I went to church, but I wasn't really there. And then when I was old enough to, you know, tell mom and dad, no, thank you. I'm, I'm doing my own thing. I'm staying home today. Um, that was great. And that worked for years. And I sort of pursued spirituality, whatever that is, on my own, read a lot of books, did my own practices. Um, but then when we had kids, it was like, okay, we really want our kids to grow up in a spiritual community. So that was the new need. And that was why I came back to church. And, you know, religious science, awesome. Love it so much, you know, became a minister in it and and, and a practitioner in it. 
Um, but now I'm at this new phase. I don't know if this is my midlife crisis, but I'm really focused on the relationship with the divine and, and, and this idea of devotion. So I've actually uh, was initiated on the, on the Sufi path. Uh, I'm part of the Rahuniyat lineage now um, because as awesome and wonderful as religious science has been and continues to be, we're not really a devotional teaching. Um, whereas Sufism is. We're kind of in a lot of ways about the head and Sufism, man, it's about the heart. So that blending has been really interesting. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I relate to what you said. That's been a big part of my journey too, in terms of uh, the work I've done with uh, Self-Realization Fellowship and Yogananda's work. Um, to have a personal relationship with the divine, however we might define it, however we might feel it. And I think uh, religious science is very much principle-based, and uh, it can be difficult to have a deep, loving relationship with the principle. And so I think that's one of the challenges that we face, is what does this relationship uh, really look like, what does it feel like, and what's in it for me? Exactly. I mean, you know, one of our big concepts is that the divine God spirit is not outside of us, is not separate from us. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, as soon as we start talking about relationship, you know, you're kind of talking subject and object, you know, me and you. And there's this implied separation. So I think for a lot of us, it's like, well, wait a minute. It, I've, I've got to choose. It's got to be one or the other. Either I have to have this big anthropomorphic idea of what God is so I can relate to it, or I just kind of hang out in my mind and I conceptualize it and I practice and I have principles. And, and what I'm saying is like, no, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think that's a false dichotomy. I want both. I, I want to have a relationship with the divine. I may choose to anthropomorphize that or represent it in some way because I'm human and, and we relate. You know, it's, it's a, to me, it's increasingly about the relationship, yeah. not the concept. Yeah, yeah, I get that because uh, we want to we feel something and, and devotion is, is about feeling something. And there's such a, a difference between uh, the intellectual concept and understanding it as opposed to uh, not only the practice of it, but the feeling of it, so that it really lives someplace in your body and in your mind and in your heart and in your soul. And I think that that's one of the, uh, the things, you know, uh, when I teach science in mind classes, and we both do that, what I try to uh, get to the people in my classes is, don't settle for some kind of an intellectual understanding of God that you think you've got God figured out. God is a mystery. And so we approach whatever the divine is. We approach this mystery with a sense of reverence and awe. And if you think you've got it figured out, you're on the wrong path, right? Because all these organizing principles that, that we're talking about here, whether or not we have an anthropomorphic vision of God or how we look at it, this is, to a great degree, stuff that we made up. And the need, I think, that's being fulfilled is for us to feel secure and connected to something bigger than we are. I think that's the need that Rosenberg is, is talking about as it relates to spirituality. Is there something bigger than us that's an organizing principle in the universe, and I'm part of it? Exactly. And, and then 
How do I relate to it? Not just how do I know it, but how do I experience it? How do I bring it in my life? I mean, you and I, and, and I think about this in your work with love and logic, you and I could talk about love and loving your children and all that stuff in different ways you can do that. That's not how we learn about love. We learn about love by loving. I don't want to conceptualize love. I want to experience love. And so then for me, that just naturally extends to my relationship with God, spirit, the divine, mystery, whatever word you want to use. I don't want to just think about it. I don't just want to take a class on it. I don't just want to show up at church on Sunday, although I do want to show up at church on Sunday, but I don't want it to be just that. I want to 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 see, to witness, to feel the divine everywhere. I want it to, I want it to exist in our relationship with you and me and, and me and my wife and everyone I come in contact. So then that becomes a driving force. How does my spirituality, whatever that is, inform my day-to-day living and the decisions I make and the way I show up with people? Yeah. yeah. What I've been thinking about lately is organizing principles, things that we kind of organize our lives around, you know, and there's all kinds of things. uh, You know, it could be sports, it could be our favorite TV shows, it could be all kinds of things. Is spirit an organizing principle in our lives? And if so, how? And it used to be, uh, you know, as we were growing up, you were talking about, I kind of had the same experience growing up. I grew up in in the Baptist church and went as long as, you know, uh, my mother could drag me. And when she couldn't drag me anymore, I was glad to let go of it. When I came back here into religious science, it brought me closer to Jesus. It brought me closer to the Bible. But I want that, I want that in my heart. I want that in my experience, a lot of what you said. And it's um, uh, because we are a, a culture of science, we're a culture of investigation. I think uh, Ernest Holmes kind of fell into that in his writing is that it has to be clear and it has to be clean. And I have to be repeating these principles over and over and it has to look like this and the feeling part of it is something I think that we have to put into it yeah totally and I you know there's there's to me that sort of that balance idea like um how does my spirituality impact how I show up so I have an understanding of the divine in my life but what is my experience? Like, how does that impact? Does, it, does, it, does my spirituality make me a better person? Does it inform me? And you, you talk about organizing uh, principle. Like when I was over in Thailand, spiritu- you know, their spirituality or religion or whatever word you want to use is everywhere. It's integrated into their life, their world. And that's something I'm wanting to do more in my own life. And I would challenge anyone listening to that to do the same. You know, whatever you believe, whatever your spirituality, your theology is, how does it make a difference in how you show up, in how you embody it? How is it changing you and shaping you as opposed to, oh yeah, I think about it every now and then, or oh yeah, I have a practice I do for 30 minutes in the morning. Great. What about the other 23 and a half hours of the day? To me, it's got to be the central organizing principle because it spills into and affects everything else. Well, I think, you know, one of the things that's interesting about, um, you know, living in the United States, especially in this time, is that we have an enormous amount of freedom. In other countries, you know, the... uh, 
the the religion that has been there for maybe thousands of years permeates everything just like you said we're we're relatively new and we have the freedom to practice any kind of religion and now that we're in a time of such heightened um conflict in communication i think that it has a tendency for uh spirituality to kind of go underground. Does that make sense a little bit? Because I, it, it's not that people want to go out and wave the flag of their particular spirituality because then all it's just a bunch, it's another thing for us to argue about like we argue about politics or like we argue about all the, all the other things that are going on. And I think it has a tendency to make uh, spirituality a personal thing and it's, it's difficult to look at it as a cultural thing. That's true, and that's a good point. I mean, everyone, you know, how many, how many different theologies or interpretations of the divine are there? Well, how many people are there? Uh, and, and, and certainly religion, theology, and I would say even spirituality can be divisive. I mean, as soon as I get into that place of mind's better, mind's right, you, you know, you don't know, you don't understand, which really in some ways brings us back to this idea of communication principles. You know, sure, we may believe different things. Okay, that's fine. But I don't need to force, I guess maybe here would be a way of looking at it. If the, if my belief, if the validity of my belief is dependent upon me squashing or, or belittling or minimizing your belief, then I don't know. Some, to me, something's not right there. Um, and again, you know, I do want to acknowledge that there are many, many different views. Um, so I don't know. You know I, I think then you, you do have to bring it back to that personal thing. How does it impact me how do I show up? How does it make me a better person? Am I preaching one thing and then acting in a completely different way? Okay, that's time for a, a look within and, and, and you know, some honesty there. Well, one of the things I, I, I love that Ernest Holmes said uh, in his conclusion, uh, and of course it wasn't the conclusion, but uh, it is far easier to teach the truth than it is to practice it. And that, that has always resonated with me because it's, uh, it's great being a teacher, but how am I showing up in the world? And how much can I honor the other person who's showing up in the world who believes different things? Because I think even when we grew up uh, with church being an organizing principle in our lives and we sat in a room maybe with a couple hundred people who had the same religion as us, everybody in there was thinking different stuff. Right, and and that's just the nature of who we are, and we have the freedom now. We have the freedom in our country to be able to express all these different things that we're thinking. And there's a real shadow side to our freedom that we're experiencing in the way that people communicate with each other. Just a lack of basic civility, and I think we want to protect our spirituality. I want to protect it. I don't want to go out and talk about it because I don't want to, I don't want to argue about it. I want to practice it. And I think that that's, uh, that's part of where we are now that, that I think, you know, in your work of, about compassionate communication, Rosenberg's work is, how do I bring that into the world? I'm not trying to sell anybody anything, but I'm trying to interact with other people so I can be of service in the world. Yeah, you know, you bring up a really good point, especially for those issues that are really close to the heart. And coincidentally, I just saw a, uh, I think it was a post attributed or a quote attributed, to, uh, I think it was Anthony Hopkins. Um, and, and in effect, it said, look, you know, there's going to be people who understand you 
and resonate with you and value where you're at, spend your time with them. You know, stop trying to change everybody and battle against everybody. And if there's people who don't appreciate you, don't get you, you know what? Let them go. They're not yours to convince or to change. And so then it, that, I carry that over into how does my spirituality impact me every day? I'm not here to proselytize. I'm a minister, and a, but I'm not here to preach to you to try and change you. You know, we're all trying to understand the mystery whatever that is. Um, I am not, I am a great supporter and believer of science, but I also love what Dr. David Hawkins said about it, that, you know, science and intellectualism and um, conceptualism, that is a certain type of knowledge that will get us so far. And he said something to the effect of the greatest realization of the intellect is that the intellect is not enough. And then you would move into, according to him, more of the heart-based knowing, right? I know through my heart. I feel things that I can't necessarily conceptualize and put into words, but they're valid. Like the relationship I have with my wife or my children. I can't, I can't put that into words. I can't explain that to you in 25 words or less. But it's real, and it's what drives our relationship, and it's what fulfills a great part of my life. Yeah, and that, that's one of the things where I think uh, religious science does do a good job is really honoring intuition, because that was that was an Emerson thing that uh, that Holmes picked up on, and that intuition is is a connection to spirit that bypasses the intellect. And there's so much intellect in our teaching and the understanding of the principles that I love the thing about intuition, because I think it it speaks to our relationship with God, spirit, the divine that is pressing against us and is available to us if we're open to it. And kind of developing our sense of intuition is a way of developing our relationship, which brings us back to relationship. And to me, that's the part of our teaching that I really love. And I really love bringing that up is that we have it. And it's always been considered, well, kind of like a soft science because you can't prove it. But you can prove it to yourself, which is what really counts. And I think that's what Hawkins is talking about. Our intellect can only prove so many things. We have proven so many things, and yet we'll look primitive 50 years from now of what the things that we, we've proven now. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting to me, like, do, you know, when you get to God and spirituality, do I need to prove it? Or does it still shape me? and impact me and have an effect on me and, and, and change how I show up in this world, whether I can prove it or not. Right. And what are the things that we just know? Totally. There yeah. are things, there are things that we know deep within us. And I think that, that, you know, that, uh, a lot of those words have kind of gotten softened, like the word of faith. Well, if you just believe things on faith, you don't believe in science. But I think the idea of believing in both and of trying to work with both is an important thing that we're up against now and of people you know in the, in the in the age of alternative facts and people making stuff up alternative narratives and where we can just take a narrative and run away with it uh i think that's one of the things that brings us to this conversation because our spirituality is so important to us so uh so central to the way that we feel about how we are connected here and how we belong here do I belong uh that I think 
we're, we have a tendency to want to hide it and personalize it because we don't want to take it out in the world and have other people bashing it. Totally. And I think that that's, that's a big part of the personality issue. Yeah, and I think, you know, like science, I mean, it is a tool. Science is a tool that allows us to know about our world and ourselves. It's a tool. It's not the only tool. And I think there are people who are like, well, you know, science is the be-all and end-all. And, and yeah, ultimately someday we'll, you know, we'll find the God gene or whatever and we'll understand. And I don't, I don't agree with that. Uh, science will increasingly provide us information, understanding about the world in which we live and, and ourselves. But when it comes to that greater beyond of the mystery... Dude, it's just it's the wrong tool. I think, it's the wrong yeah, tool. Yeah, and I think that that's great. That's one of the things that I love about this job we get as ministers. Uh, we're, we're working with a mystery that we're not going to solve. So I always tell people, if you think you got God figured out, keep digging. Yeah, good luck. You know, I really wish, I wish Holmes would have lived, I don't know, another 10 years or so. Because, you know, he was a love and law dude, right? Love and law. But he talked a ton about the law, about the creative process, about the way things come into being. And my understanding is that towards the end of his life, he said, gosh, you know, I wish I would have emphasized love more because the law will take care of itself. It's always operating whether we you know, know it or not or do anything intentionally or not. But love, love is the source. And of course, love being a metaphor for that mystery, for that spirit. Um, so man, I would have loved to have heard what Ernest had to say as he explored that concept deeper himself. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's explore it a little bit now. Um, and I want to thank you so much for being here and, uh, and talking. And we're going, to, uh, we're going to take a minute now and just see if you might lead us in a spiritual practice uh, that brings us a little closer in that relationship to the divine. Yeah, this, um, this practice, um, at least my exposure to it, it's... Um, uh, el- elemental purification breath and it comes out of the Sufi tradition now I don't know if, if that's the origination of it or if it has a broader uh, origin but that's my exposure to it so um, yeah, to sort of walk us through that so I would invite people to take a deep breath Just gently bring the awareness to the breath. Be comfortable in whatever position you're in. This is a great exercise to do in the morning, though you can do it at any time. It can be done standing up, sitting down. But we begin with the breath of earth, which is breathing in and out through the nose. Then we move to the breath of water, which is breathing in through the nose, 
and out through the mouth. the breath of fire, which is breathing in through the mouth and out through the nose. breath of air, which is breathing in and out through the mouth. And finally, the breath of ether, which can be done by breathing in and out simultaneously through the mouth and nose. Although if that's too difficult, you can simply breathe in and out through the nose. And then in conclusion, I simply give thanks for the breath of life, which is in truth the inspiration of the divine. And so it is. Simon, thank you very much. Thank you very much. And thank you for uh, being my guest today and a uh, great conversation. And um, thank you all for tuning in to what we're thinking about. And we will, uh, we will see you again soon. Have a good one.